into Shut Up and Invest. All right, we got another episode of Shut Up and Invest. Guys, we appreciate all the love that you guys have been giving us on this. Jay Money is in sexy Puerto Rico. While I'm cold here in Miami, one of the very few ladies, <laughs> freezing my butt off. He's in 80-degree weather, palm trees in the background, living that virtual real estate life. You're lucky my son was just born. If not, I'd be right there next to you, brother. I know you would, man. Listen, you're the way, reason why I'm out here because you took off to Columbia for like two months last year. So <laughs> <laughs> I said I got to make sure I do that this year. But I hear yeah, it's yeah. cold. I hear it's cold right now in Miami. Bruh, listen, this is like my one flannel shirt that I like own and I wear it like one time a year. And today's the day. Usually it's like January, it gets that little cold snap, right? Now it's hitting a couple weeks early. You know, we get like 55, 60 in January in Miami usually. We're all freezing, but I see right now it's like 50 degrees in the middle of December. Hey, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it, bro. I'm giving them a week. They better turn on my heat again. Well, I see uh, we got some comments in here. I see Gerard's already in the comments. Because of Gerard, we're back for part two of notes because he sparked – all kinds of questions, man, for last week. We just been getting questions every day about notes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We got him here. Uh, Ken, let's go. I got so many questions. We got you, Ken. Bring him on. Gerard, my man, killed the show last time. I'm sure you're in the right place for answers. Amen. And his my wife said, Oh, those are real palm trees, no backdrop. <laughs> I'll tell you what, listen, guys, if you guys are interested when this pandemic is done, hopefully, let's say by next summer, shoot us a DM and we will hold masterminds live both in Puerto Rico and in Miami. Where we'll be into the palm trees the whole time. We've been we were talking about doing that this year until this yeah. whole pandemic did. So if you yeah. guys are interested in that, give us a call, um, shoot us a DM, and we'll try to schedule it, let's say, for late summer 2021. I think by then we should be more than good to have events and, and do it in a safe way. Definitely, definitely. Adrian <sighs> Jeffrey says, yes, sir. All right. All right, so today's topic, for those of you guys listening, because of an overwhelming inbox and DMs, the mortgage notes and being your own bank is once again a hot topic in the shut up and invest world. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's funny because we've grown a lot over, you know, the course of the podcast. And we actually talked a lot about notes early on, you know, like because that's something that, of course, Kevin's a lender. He deals with notes every day. You know, 99% of my portfolio are real estate owned notes, you know, so we've been we've been talking about it from the beginning, but it's good to see, you know, the renewed interest in it. I signed to Gerard today. He just closed another note deal that we got to bring him on to talk about later on someday. But um, yeah, this, you know, this is what we focus on. So we're we're glad you open to come on here and talk about notes, man. You know, I feel like it's the best real estate investment out there. Me personally, you know, we've, we've done a, a show before about the difference between notes and rentals and why you should start with notes, you know, so. Bring those questions on today. We'll break it down. Yeah. And there's pros and cons. We're going to talk about it today. I mean, we were just going back and forth yesterday on text on the cost of a foreclosure because we have situations of people that don't pay and the equity needs to be in those properties to be able to merit what mm -hmm. a cost of a foreclosure is. So, guys, there's the good, the bad, the ugly. You got to be prepared for it. You got to plan for worst case scenario, hope for best case scenario. Um, at the end of the day, it's investing. There is nothing in this world that you don't invest in that has some type of risk. So yeah. it's about mitigating the risk. It's about crunching the numbers and planning for a rainy day because most of the time it looks like Jory's backyard right now. <laughs> Definitely. Most of the time it does. <laughs> Hey, how do you want to start, Jay? I know you had a couple um, points you wanted to touch on as the questions start to roll in, and then we can get yeah, into I, think, I mean, I, I think let's just first maybe just kind of break down, you know, the different people involved, right, in the note transaction, right? 
Um, you know, there's different ways that we that we exit strategy, right? So let's start with right this the strategy that we did last week with Gerard, right? Gerard did what we call wholesale a note, right? So in that scenario, you had the original seller, right? You had Gerard, who's still the wholesaler, he just wholesaled a note, okay. Then you had the end buyer, right? That's who Gerard sold the note to the terms, right? So there's an end buyer, that's the tenant buyer who's buying the actual property, okay. And then you have a note buyer. The note buyer is who bought the actual note, the paper, right? So, you know, you might want to break that down some more, Kevin, but those four people, let's just kind of go over them real quick because that was, a lot of the questions I have, people are confused about. So the note buyer is this, the end buyer is that. <laughs> like, who are they? <clears throat> yeah, it's juggling. It's really, um, I think the easiest way, and we talked about it on various shows, is to just really understand that we're just talking about a mortgage, right? Because I think the note and like, wait, a note buyer and I've never heard, it, it starts to like a little bit overwhelm the brain because you're trying to like connect the dots of so many mm -hmm. people. And it's just, we're really just talking about a mortgage. This is an everyday mortgage. Banks do this all the time. You'll have a loan with Chase or you'll have a loan with Wells Fargo and they'll sell it to Bank of America and then you'll get a letter in the mail that says, please send your mortgage payment from Wells Fargo that you were paying for the last two years. Now you're going to start paying Bank of America. But the terms do not change. And I think that's one of the things that like if we can kind of understand that this happens every day and that the terms of the mortgage, the interest rate doesn't change, the mortgage payment doesn't change. The balance doesn't change. Everything stays exactly the same. It helps to understand. All right. Well, then that is what we call a mortgage note. Mm -hmm. Basically, the paper that is recorded saying what these terms are, that is a mortgage note. That's the paperwork that gets recorded in public records and says you owe some money and you're going to pay it back at these terms. Now, there is people that buy that. Yes. They buy this mortgage. They buy this mortgage note. And that is why you hear us refer to them as note buyers, because they buy just like Bank of America or Wells Fargo buys from other banks and vice versa. An individual can do the same, can go and say, hey, that's a good loan. They're paying you on time. Awesome. I want it. Or there is distressed mortgage note buyers where they specifically say, Hey, um, I hear you got three people that aren't paying you and you don't want to go through foreclosure and all that. How much is it that they owe you? A hundred thousand. Cool. I'll give you 80 for it. And you walk away, cut your losses and I will take over from here and I'll handle the headache and they'll give you 80,000 and you'll walk away. And there's a whole nother world, which we won't even get into, but I mention it because as people start looking into note buying and trying to connect with note buyers, realize there is distressed note buyers that they're only going to want to buy your deals is if there is a distressed mortgage payment, meaning they're not paying you. Not performing. You're dump. It's almost the same concept as a motivated seller. It is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you, you know, you would call those a non-performing note, right? So when you see the terms NPN, someone looking for NPNs, that's a non-performance note, right? And they're investors who just buy bad paper. That's what they call it, bad paper, right? So like how as a wholesaler looks for a distressed homeowner, right, to tie their house up, non-performance note buyers are looking for distressed notes, distressed mortgage notes, right? And they'll usually try to get them, what, 50, 60% on the dollar, you know? And then they'll either, they'll either you know, redo the terms with the homeowner, right? Or they'll do a foreclosure and sell the house. There's many alt you know, different ways that they can do with the paper, but they're buying the bad note. They want these notes that are in foreclosure or pre-foreclosure. <laughs> Correct. And it's the same way as you are looking for motivated sellers that are in a distressed situation so that you can pick it up at 50 to 60% of the value of the property, or you got to get creative with it. So we bring that example from the beginning because a lot of you guys understand wholesaling or understand real estate investing, but mortgage note and is, is ran almost the same exact way. You can look at it the same way. It's just understanding the terms, 
and adding an additional layer to what you already know or what you're currently learning. And that's kind of what I want to like set the tone so yeah. that now we can get into the roles and responsibilities. Ken is asking when it comes to note investing, who is your primary seller? So seller meaning like our homeowner, or, well, our seller lead. Is that you're asking like seller lead, like when we're looking for like distressed seller leads, probably? Yeah, I think so. That's what he probably means, the original homeowner. Got it. So again, remember this. So we're not, let's say, for example, we're buying a house that we're going to sell on owner financing to create the note, okay? The primary seller is is the same seller you're looking for in a wholesale deal, honestly, right? My marketing for these sellers are the same exact sellers and market and list that I do for a wholesale deal. Okay. I'm just trying to find a distressed property. I'm trying to find, you know, a seller in distress, a property in distress, right? It can be a pre foreclosure. It can be, you know, a tire landlord. It could be a vacant home. It can be any of these factors. We're not looking, you know, because we're not strictly talking about subject to. Remember, subject to means that we're buying a house from Kevin and Kevin has a mortgage or a lien on it. Okay. We're talking about, you know, just a free and clear deal. When it's free and clear, we're looking for any kind of seller we can find, right? And lock the price up under certain terms that we can then go sell it on seller financing, right? So it's any seller, honestly. Right. Yeah, he confirmed it's a seller lead. Yeah. Um, and, you have, and you have more options, too, because remember, when we're selling this home on seller financing, there are more buyers available because we're not looking for a fix and flip guy or a cash buyer. We're looking for an end buyer who can put a down payment down and make payments per month, right? So your seller lead and your seller pool is a lot is a lot bigger, right? That deal that Gerard talked about last week wouldn't work for a wholesale deal, but it worked for what he did with creating the notes. So our seller pool is way bigger than this for just a strict, a, you know, a, a, a normal wholesale deal. Right. Now, you can do this if the seller owes on the mortgage. You just got to be able to pay off that mortgage on the deal to be able to make it happen so that it's not just, oh, a free and clear deal. But if they owe too much, now you're going to get into the subject to world. And I think people confuse, I might, and I'm glad you brought that up, subject to with what we're talking about. It's almost like it's all under the creative financing world. Yes. There's two avenues. And I think. People that owe a lot on their property and have not a lot of equity is usually what tends to fall into the subject to category. And then we are doing a lot of these type of creative note buying, marketing, um, creative deals when either there's free and clear properties or a little bit of a mortgage on there, but there's still plenty of spread of equity to be able to pay that off and create a new mortgage note that then eventually gets sold to what we call the secondary market mm -hmm. of note buyer. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you got you got to just kind of keep, you know, we do subject to too. So subject to is the same kind of process it just means there's a mortgage or it could be let's say Kevin had a seller who owed a $10,000 tax lien, right? But there's no mortgage. That tax lien is uh subject to that's a that's a lien on the property. <clears throat> right. So let's break down the people, everybody involved, step by step, some of the pros and cons of each person's role. Let's actually even add another layer to it and talk about the psychology of what they're worried about or what they're looking for and how the negotiations with each one of them goes as well. And I think that might be helpful. Definitely, definitely. I can uh, share an example. Let me share one of the examples of a, of a deal we did. Yeah. Pulling up real quick. Hold on. So you're marketing traditionally. You're marketing to the foreclosure. You're marketing to the people that haven't paid their taxes. You're marketing to out-of-state uh, landlords. That marketing doesn't change. That marketing is still the same that you would to find any good deal. So I think we've clarified that. The Definitely. only other marketing that would change is marketing. Once you get a deal under contract, you're marketing offering 
seller finance terms, meaning you don't have to go to the bank and get your own mortgage and you don't have to bring cash. I'm willing to give you a loan. I'm willing to give you terms. And that is the marketing that changes in this creative financing strategy versus a traditional wholesale deal. Definitely, definitely. And this one we got right here, let's let's just go back to this. This is the same kind of deal that Gerard did last week, right? So we'll just do this one first, get this one out of the way because we talked about this last week, right? So this is a deal where we wholesale the note, all right? And you can see the you can see the screen, Kevin. Yeah, perfectly. Okay. So this 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 seller, okay, was a uh, what I call a tire landlord, okay. So this seller owned this property for twenty plus years. Um, it was a vacant property, so it was on a vacant list too, right? He just was trying to get out from underneath the property. So your 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 normal right seller lead for any kind of wholesale deal, right? Um, we got the property locked up for eighteen thousand dollars, okay. Property needed a ton of work, <laughs> needed a lot of work, so we locked up for eighteen thousand dollars. Now. What we do then is instead of saying, okay, can we go sell this for, you know, 28 grand wholesale deal, which, you know, we, we might have been able to get 25, 28. We say, what can we sell this for on land contract or contract for deed? All right. And so we marketed our deal with those terms. We never even marketed it for cash. We marketed it for, you know, an end buyer that was going to be seller financing. Okay. And we got, you know, we got it under contract for 47,000, 4,000 down, 10% interest in 10 years. Okay. So what we did is we created a note. The note balance is $43,000, okay? Because the price was forty-seven, dollars but they put $4,000 down. So the actual note is $43,000, okay? So then when we create that note with the end homeowner, we then shop that note to our actual note buyers. And we got a note buyer who paid us 80% of $43,000, all right? So that was $34,400, right? So then this is what happens. At closing, our note buyer... Right, paid us thirty four four. Okay, so what that did is it paid off our initial eighteen thousand dollars with our seller. The difference was fifteen thousand four hundred, which is what we kept as an assignment fee. Plus, we kept the four thousand from the down payment from the actual person who bought the home, and we made nineteen thousand four hundred profit. <clears throat> which is doubling what you well, we, probably would have done if you needed to wholesale it at twenty eight to twenty five thousand. Exactly. Yeah, we made that we definitely doubled our assignment fee. We, there's no way we could have sold that as a wholesale price for 34.4, right? But because we created a note, we created an investment on the back end that's an actual mortgage note, and we sold that mortgage note. So that person who bought it 80%, they're buying it from the terms of the note. That's right. all they're buying. And the note buyer is not the homeowner, the note buyer doesn't own the house, they only own the mortgage. Right. So Ken is asking, and we can use this example to kind of clarify this question. How do you get into seller financing with no money down? That is the thing I don't understand. You need to do some type of rehab, right? All right. Great question, Ken. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's trying to break the traditional real estate investing uh, mindset that I need to get a property. I need to fix it up and I need to flip it. Here, all we're doing is flipping paper. We're not flipping the actual property. We're not going in, we're not doing any kind of rehab. We're not doing anything that's gonna like, I, there, nobody's picking up a hammer. Yeah. All we're picking up is a pen, which is in this game, now the only thing you need. And it's like an electronic pen, because that's really all we do, electronic signatures. So, <laughs> That is the first thing you kind of kind of get get out of that traditional. I gotta buy it, I gotta fix it up, and I gotta sell it. What you're doing is I got it, I got the opportunity, I got the contract. The marketing uh was forty seven thousand dollars. Bring that back up real quick, Jay, so yep. that we can the, the marketing that you were doing out in public, you know, to your groups, to wherever you, yeah. to the a potential buyer that may want to live in the property or as an investor. Obviously, you got to follow different protocols, different paperwork. But the minute you get that contract, instead of going to start breaking tile and painting walls, all you're doing is promoting, I got this property in XYZ city 
and it's for sale at $47,000, I will offer you a loan for 10 years for $4,000 down. You don't even got to get into that usually. You can literally say, I'm offering you $47,000 sales price with $4,000 down payment. I'll finance the rest and your phone will blow up. Yeah, definitely. You don't even have to put the down. Like, honestly, I don't even put down payment. I put the monthly payment, right? The monthly payment blows the phone up because you don't want to, you don't want to put a cap on what they might put down, you know? So we put $47,000 sold on land contract. Here's your monthly payment. And then they call you, they call you, they call you. And you just, you know, you show it like you would any other buyer, you know? And this was an investor. So this house right here, we didn't, this was zero, zero money down. Okay. This is a wholesale deal. We can show you how we, how we also buy these and keep them with zero money down. Right. But this property needed about $25,000 in repair. Okay. We sold it to an investor. This investor was able to put four thousand down, get into this property without a credit, without a you know long extensive credit check, without showing a ton of you know things that you need with a traditional mortgage, right? They were able to get into this deal, and now the investor's fixing the deal up. The investor's making the house good. This investor just showed me pictures last month of this deal. They fixed it up, you know, looks brand new, right? So the note, the guy who bought the note, they're in a good spot too, because if this investor was to default, they have this house now fixed up. It's probably worth eighty grand. Because the investor put the money into it. <clears throat> right, right. 100%. And that's major key right there that you pointed out. And I love that. You're 100% right. Marketing the payment is what's going to really bring the line to the end. You can create the bidding like Gerard yeah. had last week. You can attract the investor who says, hey, I can cash flow that property if my payment is only $1,000. I know I could rent it for 1400 bucks, for example. That right there is clutch because just like you said, what if they want to give you more than $4,000 down? What if they want to give you $7,000 down? <laughs> then I'll take it all day. So 100% right. This is the heavy lifting. Marketing the property, getting people to call, step one. Then you got to market the actual mortgage. If you have someone that says, I agree to those terms and I agree to pay you a down payment and I agree to take that monthly payment and I'm going to pay you that every month. Now, the next thing you do, if you don't already have the relationship, is market to people that have that money and say, you know what? I want a monthly check. They may be doing it already and you don't even need to explain it to them. Or you might find the uncle, the aunt, the neighbor, the coworker, the boss, that you're going to say, hey, listen, if you had in this particular deal $34,000, I can mm -hmm. get you a 10% rate of return on that. And you're going to be like, what? Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and it's going to have a balance of $43,000. So if they sell it the day of tomorrow or if they refinance, instead of just paying your back your $34,000, you're going to get 43,000 plus whatever months you collected. Yes. And the cherry on top, which you pointed out, is the buyer went in there. It doesn't always happen, but it's amazing when it does. Fixes <laughs> the whole property up. So, God forbid, because we said we would talk about the good and the bad and the ugly. Yep. God forbid, coronavirus pandemic hits. They lose their job. The tenant's not paying them because they decided to rent it out. So they stop paying you the mortgage. You're going to have to go through a foreclosure process. Well, not you. The person who bought that mortgage yes, is going to have to do a foreclosure, right? Because when you're talking to the potential mortgage note buyer, there's the pros and there's the cons. Uh -huh. The cons for them, we're talking about the pros, right? They pay 34 they get a mortgage for 43000 They get a monthly payment with 10% interest, so the return is even better. However- backed by real estate, right? By real estate. By real estate. <laughs> there is actual something that they can acquire if something goes wrong. And if it does go wrong, which is the however part to mm -hmm. this, they got to go through a foreclosure process. It is what it is. That's the name of the game. Like, But- you now get a property that's completely remodeled. Definitely. Yep. You get, you get that property back and guess what? 
do it all over again. <laughs> now that property is probably worth seventy-five thousand. Put it on the market for eight seventy-five, eighty thousand, eight thousand down, and do it all over again, right? So you you're still creating cash flow. And the worst case scenario, like Kevin said, is what's the cost of foreclosure, right? You got to make sure that that cost doesn't exceed what you have into the property, right? Or or what the deal is, right? But when you get that property back, you can just go do it all over again, or you can flip that house if you wanted to. If you say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I've had it for three years. Flip it, get your money, you know, get your money like that way. Or you can turn it into a rental. Whatever you want to do, it's real estate. At the end of the day, your paper's backed by real estate. That's the power of it. Right. Because there are people that call me all the time and they're doing loans with each other and business loans and investing in companies. And if that company goes down the drain, there goes it's your not. money. Yeah. Yep. There's no, let me at least go foreclosure, spend some money in the foreclosure process, but now I get back something that I can recover my investment. I can re I can make my money back here for long. It might take me a little longer. I might have to adjust and go through some issues, but I still have something, something tangible that I can grab and I can actually do something with. When you guys are like, oh, this app, or this uh, <laughs> Bitcoin or whatever. I'm not stock. those investments. I'm just trying to tell you that if it goes down the drain, there's nothing you can do to recover your money because there's nothing you can take and flip and and rent and nothing. You're done. Yeah. And think about it. A lot of people have money in 401ks, right? And their 401ks doing, is doing good now. But me and Kevin were around when the 401ks went to people lost everything. Right, because you can lose it all in a 401k, you can lose it all in a stock. Okay, so you put that money into this note and you're buying notes. And the, again, the worst case scenario it is you still have the home, right? If the economy goes to crap, someone still needs to live somewhere, right? You can still char charge rent until it goes back up to where you can make more money off of it. You know, that's that's why we focus on these kind of notes, real estate backed notes, because that tangible asset is backing our investment. Yeah. Ken says, got you. Always wanted to know why investors would buy a note. Perfect. I'm <laughs> glad you got it, Ken. Uh, Jay, you want to talk about the deal that we're actually looking at right now of doing this same strategy to it, to stay in the deal with no money? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so right now we have a deal and this is, this is what we do a lot. So when you ask, how can I get into this with no money down? Right. And that, that one right there, we just showed you is wholesaling a note. We do that when we need to raise some cash, right? It's good to do a little bit. But the key is we're trying to create cash flow, right? We don't want to wholesale anything anymore. We want to create cash flow where Kevin's in Miami, I'm in Puerto Rico, Kevin's in Colombia, and that cash flow's coming in without headaches, without management, right? So we got a deal the other day that we're working on where the homeowner actually agreed. This is a two-unit duplex property, fully occupied, fully rented. I think it's bringing in $9.25 a month right now as we speak. Um and the homeowner agreed to sell it to us for $33,000, right? He actually agreed to do $17,000 down. We put $17,000 down, and then we make payments in for five years, okay? And so what we did is we locked that deal up with the seller. So the seller's deal, $32,000, down, uh, $17,000 down. I think our payments are like two eighty dollars a month for five years, okay? That's locked up. Now what we did is we marketed that deal to end buyers who want to buy that property on seller financing. Okay. So we did 60 grand. So we marketed that property for $60,000 with 6,000 down. And I think the payments like 500 bucks a month, P and I over 15 or 20 years. Okay. So we created a note that back in note, we found a home, we found an investor that said, Hey, I'll give you $6,000 down payment. Right. And I'll pay you 10% interest for 15 years. Right. My P and I is 550 a month and I'll do this deal. Okay. So right now, we have a way that we're buying the deal from the seller on seller financing terms. Then we're going to wrap it to this end buyer on seller financing terms. We're going to have, you know, private money to pay for the difference of the seventeen thousand dollars that our down payment is. But we're going to make two hundred bucks a month in cash flow, right, until we pay off our note in five years, and then for the next ten years we'll cash flow five fifty per month. Okay, so that's a deal where no rehab involved. We're not touching the house at all. We're just basically taking that seller finance deal that we got with our seller and we're wrapping it to an end buyer creating a note to that end buyer and now we'll just keep the cash flow for the for the remaining part of the note <sighs> yeah the key there is finding someone that will allow you to wrap and being in a state that allows you to do land contracts land contracts think of it like a layaway plan 
think of it like, all right, I'll pay little by little. And once I'm done paying, I get it. So mm -hmm. then you can have your main mortgage on there. And as long as they allow you to do this land contract, then you get that payment collected. Once they pay you completely off, then you transfer the title of the property to the new buyers. I spoke to my Florida attorney, by the way, because we, we talk about this a lot on our show. Florida will not honor land contracts. Yeah, some states don't. Now, they don't honor contract for deed at all. You can't do contract for deed at all in Florida? Ken, no. Ken says they don't do it in Texas either. Texas won't let you do it, no. Texas, you have to do a mortgage and a note. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, same thing here. So, guys, this is where virtual real estate investing comes into play. Like, if you wanted to do that type of deal, it's just finding the market that does allow it, and then you can do those type of deals in those markets. Yeah. If and not... You could still wrap it. You could still wrap it if you wanted to, but you'd be wrapping it and giving them a mortgage note, and you have less protection as the uh, the guy in the middle. <laughs> you know, so when you're doing when I do seller finance with a seller, when I wrap it, I like to wrap it with a contract for deed. It just allows us to have more protection in case something would go wrong. Gerard says, "What investment is more secure than this?" Yeah, man, I got you. Um, Joseph is saying, "Is eighty percent L." loan to value what the note buyer usually wants it's, not necessarily yeah i mean cheaper right you get the deal for cheaper i mean kevin probably, there's people who will pay 90 percent of the balance right you know like if it's a non-performing note they probably want to pay 50 60 percent so it just depends on that note buyer you know it depends on the terms of the note um uh, but you know but the ones that i found on these notes, it's usually between 80, 85% is what the note buyer will pay for it, you know? Yeah. Um, I approach it like you would approach in any negotiation when you're talking to someone that potentially wants to sell you a house, you try to uncover how much they want first before you, you know, if you mm. can talk to a no buyer and kind of get an idea of what they're looking for first, I mean, if they come to you and say 90%, like, all right, you know, yeah, <laughs> say 70%, whatever it is. But if you have a loan for a hundred thousand and they're willing to give you 90,000, then cool, you know, all day. That one that I showed that I think it was 83%, that note buyer, we know he'll buy between 80 and 84%. Like that's his sweet spot. So you know, when we're when we're actually doing that deal, I'm saying, okay, we can sell it to this guy for 83 percent of the note, the, the the note balance, and we knew what we could make. Um, you know, but it just depends. I mean, I talked to a guy this morning from uh, Israel who reached out and said he's looking to buy some notes. Right? He sent over his whole criteria. He's, he'll buy up to 85 percent. You know, um, doesn't care about seasoning. You know, someone asked him a question about seasoning. Right? Some note buyers want seasoning. That's all that you know. They they want to see six months. They want to see 12 months. Right? Some don't care, you know. Some say, "Hey, give me the deal, show me the deal, I'll buy it." Right? Um, the guy who bought that deal from us that we showed you, he bought it at close. There was no seasoning involved, you know. He buys notes. He wants passive, you know, income. He doesn't want to be a landlord. He's like he's an older guy. He doesn't want to deal with tenants. He'll buy a note. We originate the note. He'll pay for the note. Right. Seasoning, guys. If you're confused at what seasoning is, that's a term in the mortgage world. Is a long time in the real estate world also. It basically means, you know, when you season some food and you let it sit there and let the seasoning set in, when you talk about seasoning and real estate, how long that's true though. How long does this mortgage perform or how long have you owned the property? So there's seasoning on title, meaning how long have they been on this title? And then there's seasoning on the mortgage note. How long has this person been? paying the mortgage and Jay described it perfectly. There is note buyers out there that will buy right at closing. They don't care. Like, all right, this, this works. The numbers work. These mm -hmm. people are going to pay. I'll take it. Um, there are other note buyers that say, come back to me in six months or come back to me in 12 months. And if they've been paying you on time, I'll take it. Or the distressed note buyers that we keep referencing that'll say, come back to me if they don't pay you and then I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we, we got uh Daryl asking, How do you deal with a seller that wants credit score to be a certain number and stuff like that? 
I'm assuming you mean if we're, if if Kevin's selling me the house and started financing, right, Daryl? That's what I assume you're meaning. So, you know what's funny? I've never had a seller that I bought a house for on terms ever ask for my credit score, ever. Like I've had a seller ask for references. You know, who have you done this with before? You know, give me some people you've done it with before, but never have they asked for a credit score. You know, most most of the sellers we're dealing with that agree to sell it to us. Because remember, we're talking about a few different things. A seller agreeing to sell it to us in sort of financing terms, right? That's a note right there that we created, okay? And that, in that point, usually they're not asking those questions, right? They're asking for what's the down payment, right? They may ask interest. Remember, we don't we don't mention interest ever, so they may ask interest. They may ask for some references, right? But I've I've never had one ask that. If that's an issue, I would say call us and see if you can JV with someone, right? JV, whenever you have an issue in real estate where you, you can't fit with somebody, what the seller wants, partner, find someone who can fit with what the seller wants, partner with them and get the deal done still. Yeah. And that's exactly the reason why we have our partnership program and you guys want to work with us. If you need credibility, if you need references, if, if you feel that that's what's missing on the deal, then, you know, give us a buzz and we'll jump in and we'll help you out and we'll get that deal closed. And it's better than not closing a deal because you feel like you got stuck and there is no reason to get stuck on a deal unless it's a bad deal and it's to your benefit to back out. But fresh pairs of eyes, experienced pairs of eyes, that's the whole point of this game. Like there is not any real estate investor. And when I say a real estate investor, I mean someone that has done more than one or two deals that this is something that they actually do every single year that hasn't joint ventured or brought in a team and paid, you know, an attorney or paid, you know, a contractor. You always got to work with people on deals some way or another. So a lot of the times trying to get into these mortgage note situations, if you're not going to get people involved to help you, you run the risk of doing things that are not compliant, that are going to blow up in your face, that wasn't done correctly. And I understand that fear. I mean, I we're I live in a compliant world 24-7. Mm. But once you bring in the right people on your team, it becomes easy. It definitely does. Yeah. It's one, two, three. It's just a process. It's the same thing over and over again. Scenarios might be different. Numbers might be different. But it's the same exact recipe over and over again. We got, uh, how do you find note buyers from Adrian? I mean, honestly, man, that's one of those things where like, if you look for it, you'll find it, right? Anything else in life. When you, when you use your mind to focus on something, you're going to start seeing them all around you, right? So like, if you're not looking for note buyers, you'll never find one. The moment you start looking for note buyers, there's going to be so many out there. You're going to be like, wow, I didn't even know this existed. You know, there's a whole market of note buyers, right? There are sites like Paperstack, okay? Paperstack.com is a site that you can go on there and sell notes and there's no buyers on it. That's that's the easiest place to go look for no buyers, right? There's also companies online that you can you can f- submit your note to them and they'll give you a price on it, right? There's plenty of them. But also, let's say you're in a local market. Anyone who's buying real estate for rental purposes, right, for cash flow, okay, I would just ask them, do they buy notes? A lot might not, but I'm sure some of them do, right? All of my local note buyers who I know were people who were buying rentals and they evolved into becoming a note buyer, right? Usually somebody buys lots of rentals and like, oh man, I'm sick of, I'm sick of tenants, right? So they decide to become a note buyer, right? So, you know, it's, they're out there, like they're all over the place. You know, you just have to actually go look for them and start researching them and you'll find them. My favorite, and it's how we got into the private lending business, is turning people into note buyers, Mm -hmm. into investors and the lending side that they didn't even ever dream of. And that comes in to conversations of goals, what do you do? And when you start explaining to people, well, this is what we do, we lend money, on real estate deals, you know, the fix and flip shows, those obviously need money. So sometimes as little as 30,000, 20,000, 50,000, sometimes it's 300,000, 500,000. We basically put investors together, group people like you and me to finance these deals for people. And it's secure backed by real estate. So as I, when people ask me, what do I do? 
I purposely start getting into that conversation because then people are like, oh man, that's really interesting. I didn't even know that because man, I got 50. And then I always end it with people love it because how many times do people have money sitting in their bank and it's not doing anything for them? Mm-hmm. How many times do they have money in their mutual fund and they don't even know how much it's making at after fees? So what what people don't understand as I'm in happy hour or a birthday party or whatever is I'm explaining what I'm doing and I'm breaking things down and they think I'm passionate about what I do, what I'm doing. I'm also educating them on how it works, mm-hmm. but I'm also planting the seed that if mm-hmm. they have or know somebody that has money, they're going to say, man, you know what? You need to really talk to my uncle. Or, hey, you know what? I have some money there that maybe I can. My kitchen guy was giving me a quote <laughs> on a property that I'm doing. And this was like four weeks ago. And get we start having the conversation about how's business going. Cool. What are you doing with this property? Awesome. How'd you get this property? Boom. And I went into the same exact explanation. By the time I was done, and this happens every single time. He's like, man, you know what? I have $40,000 last year, last, like, last two, three months ago. And I don't even know where the hell it went, bro. I need to start taking my money and putting it into stuff like that because my business makes a hell of a lot of cash. And then I end up spending it on stupid things that I can't even tell you where my money is. That was his exact reaction. Guys, it's out there 24 7. You have traditional say, no buyers. No, no, I was gonna say what's so, so key about what you said too about how you like you turn them and becoming no buyers, right? Because a lot of people have that money, but if you talk to them about buying a rental property, they wouldn't even think about it. They don't want anything to do with a rental property, right? There's no way I want that. Too many headaches. I've heard horror stories. But when you say, Hey, look, you can own, you can get you can make 10% of your money. Right in real estate without owning the property, without dealing with tenants, right? Without dealing with repairs, right? But it's still backed by real estate. Then they're like, wow, tell me about that, right? Because they don't know it's there. So I think it's actually easier to find or to convert someone to a note buyer than it is to convert them into a, a uh, investor to buy a rental property. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. We got uh, Julio saying the toughest part for me is the underwriting. I find it tough structuring the payments and the terms when I get the info when talking to the homeowner. Is there any advice or tools you use that help? This is a great question. Um, first and foremost, it's get the monthly payments from everybody that's involved that they're comfortable paying. Because once you know what they want as far as monthly payments, now you can reverse engineer the terms from that number. Don't you agree, Jake? I definitely agree. The monthly payment is the most important part of the whole deal, right? Because so you're talking to a seller and you're trying to buy a house from a seller on seller financing, right? You're you're going to end up selling it to an investor or a homeowner, okay? So that monthly payment with your seller is what matters the most because that's going to show you what you can sell it for. You know, so two things. You need to know what you can charge someone per month. Is this an investor where you have the cash flow? Okay, for example, the house has tenants in it, like the one that I just told you guys about that me and Kevin are looking at. There's tenants in it, right? Those tenants are paying a certain amount per month. Okay, if I'm selling this to an investor, their payment has to still cash flow. Okay, so I find that number first, then I figure out what can I pay my seller per month that I'm buying it for in seller finance terms. Let's let's do that deal that we just talked about and let's actually put some numbers on the board so people can see hey, how much is that property rented for roughly? Uh nine fifty a month. All right, so nine fifty is what that property is bringing in rent right now, right? Correct. Okay. So then from that point, you know how much cash flow is coming in in the property. Now, how much did the seller want? The seller's getting 280 a month. That's the payment to the seller. Seller wants $280 a month. Correct. Yep. Okay. So right there, that's just the loan portion of it, right? That's just the principal and interest. That's just the P and I. Okay. The P and I. Because you look at that number, you'll think, oh, there's a lot of room in there. But remember, you're gonna be you're gonna be paying the seller 280 a month P and I, right? 
and you're responsible for the taxes and insurance, right? The seller doesn't pay any of that, okay? So you got to figure out all those numbers when you're going to market this to your end buyer, your end investor to find out what kind of cash flow they can make. Right. So how much is taxes on that property? Uh, I think monthly taxes were 150 on that one. Insurance monthly, we'll say $75. Okay. So we're in this total for, let me bring up the calculator for people to see if I can get this up. So we're in the payment is the calculator. Okay. You see it, right? Yeah. 280 is what the seller wants for the loan, which is what we call principal and interest. 150 for taxes per month. And then $75 for insurances. So total payment on that property is $505 and it can rent for $950. So if I'm Julio and now I've established this number, what's next, Jay? There's a cash flow there of $445. Got it. So now you got to figure out, okay, what can I sell this property for, right? Because I'm going to wrap it to a, another end buyer in sort of financing terms, right? What can I sell it for? What can their monthly payment be where they can still cash flow some money? Okay. And, you know, what me and Kevin might want to make per month cash flow as a rental property might be more than what another investor might want to make. Right. I have, I have an investor who buys a few homes a year from us on land contract, literally doesn't care about making any money per month cash flow. Right. Just wants to pay it down. So within 10 years, it's free and clear. Okay. So, you know, they might want less. You know, what I try to say is I want you want that property for your end investor to cash for 200 bucks a month, right? Like that's a that's a number to me that makes it appealing. Anything below 200 bucks a month cash flow is gonna probably turn off most investors when looking at that at that deal. <clears throat> that's a good rule of thumb. I like that number. It's two hundred dollar a month cash flow. So now it's trying to come up with the terms of a purchase price and an interest rate that can pretty much bring that monthly payment to 750 a month yes and i'll say right now the best app in the world that i use is just it's called the us mortgage calculator app you can go in there and type in all the terms right price down payment interest rate terms and that calculator does all the stuff for me right i don't figure it out on my own i just I punch in numbers until the formula makes sense of what I need to have it done. And then the calculator spits out what the terms are. Perfect. So then at the end of the day, we determined that the purchase price on this to kind of be in that range would be how much? The purchase price was $60,000. So 60 grand purchase price. Yep. 6,000 down. With six thousand dollars down payment, correct. Yep, it was a ten percent interest at ten percent interest rate, and it was a two hundred and forty months, so a twenty-year term for twenty years. And that is the mortgage that was come up, that was created to attract the buyer. Yep. And the actual, I mean, the buyer's actual P&I was 482.51, right? So, so the buyer's principal interest was 482.51, okay? So this is what you look at because remember, the buyer's going to be paying the taxes and insurance, all right? 482.51. And then what was our P&I again? Kevin, scroll up to what we were paying per month. The new P&I. So the new 280. So there's a $200 difference. Exactly. Right. So, plus the six thousand dollar down payment that comes in from the so you get paid six thousand right from the jump. You can make two hundred dollars difference, right? Because we're paying the seller two eighty, mm -hmm. and then the new buyer's paying us four eighty. Taxes are taxes. That's going to get paid to the city. Insurances, insurances. That's going to get paid to the insurance provider. So the profit is in the loan which is a $200 a month cash flow without being the landlord, without being uh, the person who uh, has to go fix the toilet. We're, we are the bank and they're yeah. paying us and we're paying the seller on this deal. 
and made $6,000 right from the jump. Now we can take this loan and keep it, or we could turn around and sell it for someone that wants to make $200 uh, uh, a month, and we could sell it for a discount and walk out with the $6,000 the, the original buyer gave us, plus whatever the difference we make from the note buyer that's buying the mortgage, which Definitely. is the example we gave before. Exactly. Yep. And those are your options. I mean, you can you can sell that note. You can keep the note. We'll do a show on this maybe down the road. You can sell partial parts of that note, <laughs> right? Like you can sell a, a piece of that note, right? Get some income right there. There's all kinds of things that you can do with a note. That's why it's so powerful when you actually learn how to create those. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a couple more questions before we end today's show. We got... Um, just saying, do you just talk to a real estate attorney to comply with Dodd-Frank on these deals? Yes, they are a good resource. And if they don't know, there is a good company called calltheunderwriter.com. If you guys download our virtual real estate investing course, there's a resource document that will have all these contacts in there for you. Um, we got... Mr. Banks saying he had a seller interested in a single family property in Oceanside, New York. They would seller sell for seller oh seller financing. So they would seller finance 400 at 5% for 15 years. The ARV 620. No down payment or monthly payments number yet. The rent rate is 3000 max. Is this a potential deal? Taxes is 10K a year. Okay. So let me see here. We got the seller wants 400,000 at 5% at 15 years. Let's see how much that is. Mortgage calculator. We don't have a down payment amount yet, but. So 400,000 at, what do you say, 5%? 5%, yep. 5% for 15. Yeah, that's um that P&I is 3163. So. Right. So that right there tells me off the jump if my rent is 3000 and just my principal and interest. I have we haven't even talked about taxes and insurances is over what you can collect in rent. That's going to be very hard to to sell to an investor. The only way there that it would be a deal is if you can find someone that wants to buy the property at a higher interest rate and make some cash flow um, on that deal. So you would have to sell that on a land contract to wrap at, you know, eight, nine, 10% uh -huh. for 15 years. Or if we really want to get this, they'll probably confuse people if we start going there, but you could change the amount of years. I was going to say that. Yeah. Do a balloon, right? So usually when the seller says 15 years, that means they want to be out of the deal in 15 years, right? You could probably offer them 30 year term for the payment with a 15 year balloon. So if you did 30 year term with the payment, your payment's now 2,147. That's the P&I, but you got to pay it off in 15 years, right? So, and that's what we would do if the situation happened. I say, okay, I'll pay you off in 15 years, but we're going to structure the payments over 30. That way to pay making cash flow. <clears throat> yeah. And yes, you're on the hook, meaning in 15 years, you got to come up with that money. So yes. you got to refinance. You got to sell because there's equity. Like you got to eventually come up with an exit strategy, but you acquire the property. It's cash flowing and you have time to figure it out. Uh, we have Bilal asking us, when is interest too much on a note? And like, for example, Florida, <laughs> if you go past 18%, the court's not going to have an issue with it, but you can go to 18%. Um, As I say, states have usury laws, right? Usury laws means the max you can charge someone interest. So like check with your state for that, for the most part, you know, at the end of the day, the interest has to match whatever. Again, we're, we're focused on the monthly payment, right? So like, you know, somebody going to buy a deal where the interest is like 20% and their payments over what 
the house is worth? Probably not, you know. But um, you know, definitely check with your with your states about the actual usury laws where there's a max interest you can charge. One hundred percent. Do you do terms for up to forty years? How long in years would you go? You could do forty years. You could do thirty years. Then this all basically comes down to what makes the most sense, numbers wise, and goal wise. What's your exit strategy? What? How long do you want to be in the deal for? If you're selling it to a no buyer, how long do they want to be in the deal for? Getting to know what they like. If you're selling them to specific groups and people, will kind of dictate, you know, how long they like the deals for. If the numbers make sense and people are paying you, you know, there is no like set rule. We've done them at one year. We've done them at seven years, five years, ten years, thirty years. Yeah, we we haven't gone past thirty, but I mean, you know, if you want to do forty and somebody agrees to it, you can do forty. You know. Um, We'll do one year. We'll do five year. You know, it just depends on. Again, with us, it's more about that monthly payment so it can cash flow. You know, so because we're trying to hold on to cash flow and create cash flow per month. You know, so let's say I sell a house for twenty grand and start financing with five thousand down. If I do thirty years, <laughs> that payment is going to be dirt, dirt cheap. You know, so we'll probably do a three to five year term so that it can cash flow. Okay, so that's what we look at more than anything. <clears throat> can you sell a wrap? Like wholesaler wrap, you mean? Bilal? I, I guess you're saying wholesaler. You can do you. You can sell a wrap. Yeah. So here, here's the thing with seller financing, right? Let's say I bought a house from Kevin for thirty thousand dollars cash. Okay, right. I bought it from Kevin for cash. Then I sold it to Bilal for sixty grand, six thousand down on a land contract. Okay. Um, Bilal can then sell that house whenever he wants. He just has to pay me off what he's owed to me first. Okay. So like you can sell the home, you can fix the home, you can do whatever you want to do with the home, but I own the mortgage on the property. So if you sell it for 50, you got to pay off jewelry first and get whatever's left over. Okay. Let's say I do a wrap. If I, if the person I sell the wrap to flips the house, let's say he flipped the house, it's fix and flip. He has to pay me off first. I have to then in turn pay off my seller who I had seller finance in terms with, you know? So yes, you can sell a wrap. The people involved in the transaction just have to get paid off first. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Julio saying, thank you guys for the example. I appreciate it. Jory, I hope you didn't catch the Steeler games Monday. <laughs> I, actually, I did not watch that game. I haven't even turned on ESPN to see what happened in that game. I refuse to mention that game. <laughs> we lost to a team with no name. We, we, we ruined our perfect season, but hey, you know. There's only yeah. one perfect team, bro, and it's a yeah, Miami. I saw, I saw Larry Zonka and them toasting after that game too, so that's how I knew we lost. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no perfect deal, but there is one perfect NFL team in the history, guys. <laughs> so if we're going to talk about real estate investing. We can't match up to the Miami Dolphins 1972 caliber <laughs> championship. You got to take some bumps and bruises in this game. But at the end of the day, you still have a good game, a good record. But we yeah. can't fight for perfection. Don't worry about it. Those Dolphins hey. love that 72. <laughs> we got Ken saying, you guys break things down so simple. And don't be down, Jory. I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, man, we're, we're, going, down a, we're, we're going down a black hole here. We're going down a black hole. <laughs> All right. Mr. Banks is bringing up this deal, and I like this because this is what we do all the time, guys. And this having a network and working in, 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 in this type of environment with people that are in the game and bouncing ideas off of it, this is what we do with people that we partner with. It's like, okay, I can't, how do I figure this deal out? What if we do this? Wait, what if we do that? What if we start this way? Mr. Banks is saying... What about the difference from four hundred thousand? They will sell their finance to the asking six hundred and fifty thousand. Taxes are ten k. Payments would be structured for a thirty-year term. How do I get the difference or get to seller financing a hundred percent? Go Steelers. I, I'm confused because he said go Steelers, so now my mind is like. <laughs> Hey, we're still the best team in football right now. Okay, so let's look at this deal real quick. So, all right, 
the 400k so we're assuming no down payment too remember that so he hasn't mentioned the down payment so right now with no down payment on 30 years that payment's like 2100 a month okay and then taxes 10,000 a year that's 833 a month right so you're at about three thousand dollars you haven't even added insurance yet it is worth six hundred and fifty thousand. So if you did have someone that wanted to step in and pay the three thousand dollars, essentially it wouldn't cost you anything as long as they paid on time. And then you could turn around and sell it for a profit. That might be one exit strategy. Yeah, I mean so, there's no so cash it. Yeah, there's no cash flow, right? Um you gotta you pay start- insurances, so you're still negative. So my question is this though, at six fifty at that six fifty purchase price, right? What is that payment? So is the norm for that payment three thousand a month? Because he said the he said the market rent was three thousand a month, right? Um, usually when we're finding the end buyer, you want them to be underneath the rent a little bit. That's what makes it appealing. So for someone renting that house that's worth six fifty, is three thousand a month the normal rent? Maybe the rent's higher than that. And if, if it is higher. You got more room in there, right? Because you're gonna be selling that note. You're gonna be selling it to end buyer at six fifty with something down. There's gonna be a down payment involved, right? There's gonna be interest involved. You got to figure out what is a normal payment for that person. When you find that amount out, then you can put the rest of the pieces together. <laughs> yeah, because if someone comes in and finances six hundred thousand, let's say they put fifty thousand down, and let's say you do it at seven and a half percent interest rate, that's four thousand one hundred and ninety-five dollars right there. Yep. I mean, then it makes sense. So I, I think the key is figuring out is that 3000 market rent rate you're saying, does that apply to this house? So at 650, which I, I would think that it doesn't, you know? Yeah. But I like what you said. I mean, instead of renting it, if you have someone that buys it and you give them the terms, now they're paying their mortgage is theirs. They're paying you more than what you got to pay the other person. Yeah. And you, you know, figure out what the down payment is with your seller. You know, and just charge your end buyer more than that. And that way you get into the deal with no money. You get an assignment fee up front and you get cash flow per month. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of de- there's a couple different ways to skin the cat, and that's what creative financing is all about. Sometimes it just works for you to acquire a property for a short period of time until you can flip it for more money. Um, sometimes you can acquire cash flow per month. And it's become a cash flow property without you having to be a landlord. Um, sometimes you can just wholesale it right from the jump and make more than what you would have made really wholesaling it normally because you're wholesaling the mortgage with the property, not just the property. So there are three di- we've covered three different ways um, in how basically note creating notes and being creative can help you do deals where normally, you know, people get. That's the key though. Remember remember guys, a lot of these deals do not fit the average wholesale model, right? So like when you learn how to create a note, you can do more deals because of that actual note you're making, right? So Daryl, anyone else, I'd say, look, if you guys have deals like this, you know, reach out to us. You know, we have a program available where we'll JV with you or we'll consult you on how to get the deal done, right? You know, don't let that deal go go by the wayside. Reach out to us. Let's walk you through and talk you through. And let's, you know, this is what me and Kevin, we look at the deal and say, what can we do? Can we do this? Can we do that? Like, we don't have one answer. It takes us a few days to figure out what's the best way to make the deal work. And then we make it work. You know, at, at the end of the day, maybe a deal doesn't work, right? We'll say, hey, it doesn't work. Now free your time up to look at more deals. Another thing you don't want to do is be stuck on a deal that doesn't work because there are deals that don't work. You don't want to be spending three or four days, you know, analyzing the deal that just doesn't make sense, you know? So, Definitely reach out to us, guys. Let us know. You know, bring us your deals. We'll, we'll walk you through them and, you know, JV with you, consult you, whatever you got to do. Yeah. If you don't have an agreement on the property, you can start having conversations with not only the seller to try to lock this up, but you can have conversation with potential buyers, with potential realtors that have these type of buyers that are looking for these type of properties, investors, like, you can already start picking the interest. If you don't have it under agreement, I wouldn't suggest you give the address to anybody. Mm-hmm. You have to say, look, I'm in the middle of negotiating it. Once I have it locked up, I'll send you the address. But it's a property in XYZ area. It's, these are the specs. It's in good condition. You're just peaking interest. You're just 
teasing it to see if someone says, man, you know what? I got a buyer for that. All right. You know what? I would like to buy that. And, you know, oh, interesting. Seller financing at seven and a half percent that, oh, that, that deal might work. Then, you know, I better go get this under contract because I got potentially somebody that's willing to to do this deal. Yeah, I think a lot. Yeah, I think people get caught up because you always hear like, don't mention the deal to what's on the contract, right? So people hear that, especially in the wholesale world. I talk to people about deals all the time that aren't on the contract yet, <laughs> like all the time, right? And I find out before it's on the contract, okay, he'll pay 45, so I got to get it for 30. I mean, we do this all the time. Like I find out what price they'll pay, and then I lock it up, you know? So you you don't be afraid of that, you know? Like Kevin said, I wouldn't say, hey, go look at this house at, you know, 123 Main Street, right? But you can tell me everything else about the house. <clears throat> yeah. Guys, we're over an hour. This is obviously a topic. I don't feel bad if it kind of went over your head a little bit. Some of the numbers or some of the strategies, we get it. We understand that this isn't necessarily something that you easily pick up. I mean, we talk about like, give me those numbers again. Wait a minute. How does that make? I mean, this is something that you got to really sit there and like put the numbers on paper, look at it. Make sure, ask the right questions. So don't feel bad if right from the beginning it doesn't click. But doing the due diligence, putting the numbers down, speaking it, running it by, you know, your people, that's the name of the game. Yeah, definitely. You only get but you only get good at these deals by doing the deals. You know, like we've done a lot of them. <laughs> we made mistakes, you know. So what we're trying to say is you know, use us, leverage us to help you not make as many mistakes. But like, don't be afraid to do these deals. You know, there's a we have a network out there. We're doing them. Gerard's a story right there where Gerard went from doing one wholesale deal to jump into a creative financing deal. Now he's on the second one. Right. Because he asked questions. And he partnered, you know, with us. So, you know, let's not let these deals go by the wayside. You know, reach out to us. And let's make these deals happen. <clears throat> All right, guys. Time to get back to Puerto Rico living. All right, guys. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Shut up and invest. Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join our community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest. <laughs>